Welcome to Leasing Out Loud, the podcast that is your information source for all things commercial real estate. We are your hosts, Lorraine Spindler and Lori Suba, and we're commercial real estate brokers with Scout Real Estate. We're excited that you're here and hope that you'll join us each episode as we explore the ins and outs of Calgary's commercial real estate market. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode number nine of Leasing Out Loud with your hosts, Lori and Lorraine. Thanks for joining us again and tuning in. Lorraine and I are so excited today to have our special guest mm-hmm. on the line. Crystal Rapoon is a broker for Beanstalk Real Estate Solutions based in Detroit, Michigan. Yes. And I'll fill you in a little bit about Crystal's background, but maybe just give you some context about why we decided to connect with someone in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I know Lorray in Calgary. We are referred to almost like as a one-trick town. We are. And a oil really and gas. oil and gas is in our blood. And we are really doing our best, I think, to try to diversify or have mm-hmm. le- at least we have acknowledged the need to diversify our market. Yeah. And sometimes I will have other brokers or industry people sort of talk about is it like Detroit in that I know. Detroit still has the auto sector as the main driver of their economy, just like we have oil and gas. Mm -hmm. So I was just curious, are we similar? Has Detroit diversified? What does that market look like? What happened to them? I feel like they may be a few steps ahead of us in terms of this process. So I'm really excited today that we have Crystal with us. And Crystal is a real estate attorney. She has over 19 years of experience in the industry including asset management, legal expertise in residential and commercial real estate in Detroit, throughout Michigan, and across the country. So in other words, Crystal is a powerhouse of experience. I was going to (laughs) say, welcome, Crystal. You're a busy lady. I am. Well, thank you guys very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And really interested to share some of our insight and my insight about our city and hear about yours as well with Calgary. I think that we can always learn a lot by looking outside of our markets. I think sometimes we focus a little bit too much on what we know and what we see every day and not what's going on around us. And uh, so really interested to talk to you guys as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Crystal. I think sometimes we can get into the mindset of this is what we know and this is how it's done. And so it's, I think, smart to look outside of our special place and see what others are doing and maybe see if there's opportunities for us to learn what's worked in other markets, and what sort of takeaways can we each take. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. So maybe for our listeners, if you don't mind, I'll start with Calgary, and I'll give you a little Cole's notes on sort of what's happened in the Calgary market over the last number of years. And then maybe, Crystal, if you could share the same for Detroit and sort of where the market Mm -hmm. is and what led to where we are today. So I'll start with Calgary. So Calgary is a city that's over a million population. Mm -hmm. We are very much focused on the oil and gas sector. That's our primary driver for our economy. When times are good on the oil and gas side, times are good for commercial real estate too. And so we saw tremendous growth in the Calgary market over the last couple of decades attributed to the oil sands production and really developing that asset base. And And Crystal, just so you know, we're used to a roller coaster ride here in the city. We're up and down as the commodity has rolled. So there's been downtimes in the 80s, mm-hmm. down cycles, and then there's typically quick recoveries. So we're used to the roller coaster, but this one's been a longer down period. This has been a long haul for us. So we are about six years now into what I would call a depressed market. So we have vacancy rates now hovering near 30% downtown. 
We were known for being a headquarters nationally for oil and gas. So very similar, I think, in some respects to a market like Houston, where you have big oil and gas companies headquartered. And what we've seen is sort of an exit of foreign investment and some of these big players, some of them Mm American-based, going back to their respective markets and pulling out of Canada. And so that's sort of prompted the 30% vacancy that we're at today. I suspect the end is not here. We're still working through some stuff and there's going to be some additional fallout. So we as a city have identified obviously a need for diversification. And that's sort of where we're at, I think, in this cycle is that there's a nod that we need to diversify, but there's sort of this diversify to what? The tech sector is one area that people are thinking makes a lot of sense, distribution is perhaps another. So those are some areas where we're sort of thinking, but I'm curious about Detroit. Maybe could you give us some background on what your market has looked like? Sure. Most people associate, obviously, Detroit with the Motor City and definitely has an automotive history. And Mm -hmm. it's really what's driven the city for the last almost century. Mm -hmm. And really, the sad thing is, like you were talking about, like what's happened in the last two decades. Mm -hmm. I think it's really sad when you look at what happened in Detroit. I'm not from Detroit. I'm from northern Michigan. Mm -hmm. And we talk to people that really have lived in Detroit their entire lives. And, you know, it's really sad, you know, in the 40s, 50s, and the 60s, because they were on, it was just the place to be. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, between race issues, economic Mm -hmm. issues, you know, which all drove each other, we're really looking at Detroit and its downturn over like four decades. Oh, wow. If you think of race riot in the late 60s, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on politically throughout the entire country. Mm -hmm. And Detroit was really in the forefront of a lot of things going on. It was really a spiral effect. Mm -hmm. All these things between race, economics, politics all played off of each other. And the biggest thing is just the population decline. I want to say it went from, in the period of like 50 or 60 years, went from like a million nine down to like 700,000. Wow. Which is crazy. And was that attributed to the auto sector where the job's not there anymore? Or what was prompting some of that? It was a shift to a lot of people leaving Detroit. I hate even having to say this, but it's part of history, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Detroit back in the, I think like in the 1970s, 80s, had, I think, majority white, like Mm -hmm. 80% Mm -hmm. white. I don't have the exact specific, but I know more than people would probably think. And a lot of white people left the city and like of the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So that's some of it. But then also the automotive industry had an impact on that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the factories were moved out of the city and right. into the suburbs. Um, yeah. That takes workers with you. You know, the suppliers for those industries kind of go with them. And then you just have this slow, gradual shift moving out to the suburbs. And the mm-hmm. suburbs were very affluent. Mm-hmm. And they still continue to have a lot of very affluent suburbs. And so Detroit's definitely had a challenge trying to figure out how to have both of those. Right. And I was sort of saying, you know, I think you're ahead of us. I didn't appreciate that that had been coming for so long. It really has been and continuing to spiral. And it's interesting because I came at an interesting time in the mid to late 90s. Detroit had multiple, like you were saying, roller coaster. And Mm -hmm. that really rang a bell with me is that Detroit also has been on a roller coaster over the last you know, 15, 20 years where there's been multiple attempts at trying to, you know, have a resurgence, bring the city back. Mm-hmm. And then they just somewhat peters out. When mm-hmm. I started law school, mm-hmm. the riverfront was, I don't say booming, but I mean, businesses were open, bars and restaurants were open. Yeah. There was a fair amount going on. And then 
certain decisions were made, those businesses all closed, Mm -hmm. some of it has to do with city decisions, and then the riverfront somewhat becomes a destitute, somewhat empty industrial area, which it is now. And it's a shame, but that's one of those roller coasters, which was, I wouldn't say it was a high, but it was certainly on an upward trajectory. And then it just went back down and it's done that repeatedly. Yeah. And the other thing is a lot of those attempts to bring city back were continued to be focused on just automotive, kind of the failure to diversify, yeah. to figure something else out. So you rise and fall with an industry that you don't necessarily control. So, I mean, finding a different way, some other solution, whether it's politicians, it's investors or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, we're really fortunate and lucky that after all of that, finally, you know, probably 10 years ago, mm-hmm. we finally started on an upward trajectory that has been consistent, which is what we were lacking. Right. And for it to happen slow enough that when you do anything too fast, yep. it's not good. And mm-hmm. so the best part about this was, I feel like, our last 10 years, some of it might seem fast, but it's continued and it's um, consistent and it's been slow enough to give businesses, surrounding areas, mm-hmm. the suburbs, everything else that, that kind of leads into the city, time to also adjust as well. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but yeah. leading into kind of where we are today. And despite COVID, we were in a really good place mm-hmm. a year ago this time and also mm-hmm. at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. And so, Crystal, with the diversification you've been seeing in the last 10 years or so, what's driving that? Yeah, I would say our resurgence totally due to various private and public investments mm-hmm. that have come into the market. And seeing Gilbert and Bedrock has really changed the city. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, no getting around it. There's been a lot of other great investors and large companies that have done an amazing amount of positive things mm-hmm. for the city but nothing like what he's done. Sorry, Crystal, I was just going to say, can you tell us about what he's sure. done? Yeah, I mean, well, he started Quicken Loans, mm-hmm. our banking organization, and he moved them in their entire headquarters from the suburbs down to the city. Started buying up buildings. The first thing is he basically put his money where his mouth is, right? Mm-hmm, right. It's one thing to try to encourage other businesses to come downtown, but he moved his own business downtown mm-hmm. and then encouraged others to follow, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, great to be able to sell somebody when you say you should do it. I believe enough in it that I did it myself. True. And bring people downtown, Mm -hmm. activity downtown. I wouldn't even probably be able to come up with all the amazing things he did. He really just, on on so many levels that it's mind boggling, just piece by piece took things that you just got used to seeing that were not acceptable and just made them great. As he brought his businesses downtown, he just said, okay, so there's, no money or there's no services for that, well, then I'll do that myself, mm-hmm. you know, for my people. And that just kind of expanded. And then the multiplier effect. Absolute multiplier effect. And what you may not know is so my business partner, mm-hmm. Lynette Boyle, she was the vice president of property management. And so she started the Bedrock very early on. Oh, okay. And they expanded and bought properties very quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many properties they have now, but I would venture to say in the last eight, nine years, they have probably gone from their first property up to maybe 115. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Holy smokes. And he's changing, obviously, the whole environment downtown, right? He's purchasing, he's cleaning up. With the buildings that he's acquiring, is he spending some capital on investing in these buildings to try to incentivize tenants to come in? Absolutely. Hmm. And luckily, the wherewithal to be able to give very competitive packages. The one thing that's really tough for downtown is retail. So you can get office businesses and office users 
coming to downtown. But at the end of the day, we've always failed in having people living downtown. Mm-hmm. You don't have people living downtown because you don't have the retail and you can't have the retail without the people living downtown. It's the chicken and egg. Yeah, It's absolutely the chicken and the egg. And so he was financially able to really subsidize a lot of the retail tenants and get them to come and either not charge them or charge them very little mm-hmm. on deals that somebody else probably couldn't do. And, and a lot of them have been able to stay. And then he also creates a lot of jobs. So Great. really smart. Really, really smart. He's got a long-term vision too. Yeah. Because I know that's one of the challenges that we've had downtown is just the retail side. We're like Detroit, I suspect, in that we have a lot of our population out living in the suburban market. Mm-hmm. And everyone comes downtown to work or was coming downtown to work but not hanging out there, not living there. And so I know the retail side, I wouldn't say that would be a strong point in Calgary in terms of the vibrancy of its retail downtown. In addition, we happen to have something called Plus 15s. And that's basically like a raised, interconnected walkway system. system. But it makes it really hard for main floor retailers. Like similar in a way to Houston. I know when we were in the Houston market, they have sort of that underground tunnel where it's really hard if your people are in tunnels to have them at the street the level street front, yeah. and having sure. retail thrive. So, and yet here we need the plus 15s because we have you know, six cold. or seven months of winter. <laughs> so it, it makes sense, but it does make it a struggle. It makes it hard. Yeah. So that's interesting because that's one of the things I know the city has been trying to get people to come downtown. But to your point, it's that chicken and egg situation, getting the retail. They need to be there, but they won't be there if there's no people there. And even now with such a reduction in the amount of people going downtown to work, that's had a huge impact on the The retailers that were there that were servicing the lunch crowd and the cocktail hour crowd, some of the dinner stuff. Mm -hmm. They've been hard hit. Same here. It's really sad to see because it took so long for it to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now for the impact of what COVID has had on it and especially on the retail. And there's just, it is a shame. I mean, I'm downtown Beanstalk Brokerage and Property Management Company. And I'm downtown not every single day, but it's really sad to see how empty it is downtown. Yeah, we feel the same way. We are downtown and I know for a spell there, it was deserted. So it was heartbreaking to see that especially knowing that our downtown market is already struggling. It's like another blow. So it makes it tough. So it sounds like really the engine behind the recovery that you're seeing in Detroit is really attributed to, I want to say like an angel investor or an individual that has some foresight and wants to turn this around and is really doing everything that he can to move the needle. That's my opinion. I know some people might not necessarily agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no doubt that he got started sure. and has had the biggest impact in the fact, yes, there are some other you know companies that have, have contributed as well, which is what needs to happen anyway in some mm-hmm. of the diversification. A lot of the things that were started, I mean, we rely so much on automotive, but his investments have made downtown attractive enough to some other industries to try to diversify like the tech industry, you know, and to make the downtown and central business district attractive to bigger companies and some big leases that have been done over the last few years, you know, that's enticed brought Google to downtown, Microsoft, LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. that would not have happened without the bedrock influence and impact. And so that's been really great. And then there's been a lot of investment change in what we call our midtown area. And so a lot of investment going on in that area as well. So 
you know, I really hope that the downtown market comes through after 2020, you right. know, and whatever 2021 is going to see when really we're back to work. This is fascinating, Crystal. I so appreciate your time today because to be honest with you, I had no idea that it was as long coming for you, the downturn as it was. And I think it's really interesting to hear about what Detroit has done and what that has meant in terms of a turnaround in your market, because I know we're always looking for different creative ways to get ourselves out of this. Yes. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's great to hear mm-hmm. what others have done and, and to see success in other markets where I know it was tough for you guys for a while there. So, And Crystal, with the automotive, curious, like how much does that make up of your market today? I would definitely think that it probably still makes up for 70%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say there's a lot of other new, I would say, automotive coming into the market. I think one thing that people probably don't appreciate when you're from Detroit is that we're just used to having GM and Ford and Chrysler here, right? Mm -hmm. We're just used to having them in our backyard and kind of being on the forefront of what's going on in that industry. So it's what's really cool, like the mobility aspect of that. We hear about it, you read about it, but to see that going into effect in our own background is very cool. So Ford bought the old train station oh. and they're turning that into literally their mobility center. Oh, and interesting. it's kind of the gateway into downtown from the west side. So Ford, their headquarters is in Dearborn, which is west of the city. Yeah. And when you come downtown, you come down on Michigan Avenue and you literally would pass the old train station mm-hmm. and it's been vacant for years and just an eyesore mm-hmm. and they bought it and are renovating that and that's going to be pretty spectacular but just the mobility aspect that all of the victory are going to do around town and they have various buildings and construction that they're going to have that's going to implement that is going to be pretty cool very cool so by mobility help me to understand what does that mean like for the autonomous cars ah thank you okay wow yes very yeah. cool okay So the engine hasn't changed necessarily for Detroit. Automotive Mm -hmm. is still king, but the landscape looks a little bit different. You have technology that is changing the way the automotive sector is working and you're seeing growth. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I love having you on today, Crystal. This was a great podcast. I think we've learned so much about your market. I really appreciate your time today. And I know our listeners will find this, I hope our listeners will find this as fascinating as I do about your market. There's lots of things I didn't know Mm -hmm. and I've learned a lot. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. It was great meeting you guys. And I look forward to following up and listening to all your future podcasts. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed our time today. It was fantastic. I learned so much. And thank you to our listeners for tuning Mm -hmm. in. Join us next episode when we're going to talk about the latest and greatest in commercial real estate. And as always, we'd love to hear feedback and suggestions for future episodes. So drop us a line at hello at scoutrealestate.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone.